mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla, and we are Directionally Challenged. Oh yeah, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. We don't. Nope. (laughs) We don't. I'll say it again. We don't. (laughs) And it's okay. It really is okay. Um, You know, some days it's easier than others. And today we're sitting down with a remarkable woman, and we have such a fantastic conversation with Rachel Rogers. She is an intellectual property lawyer, mother, business coach, wife, and CEO who's been leading the conversation around social injustice. Rachel started her business on the Hill with nonprofits, federal judges, and Hillary Clinton when she realized changing the world is easier when you have some cash in your bank account. She decided to build a million-dollar business and then teach others to do the same. She is here to help women hit seven figures without sacrificing their families or their sanity. She's the founder of the We Should All Be Millionaires Club, and she's here to discuss how to diversify our businesses and invest in ourselves during the current financial landscape. She also has a podcast called Hello 7, which we love, and she has a book coming out called We Should All Be Millionaires, and it will be available in 2021. Wow, that was a mouthful. She's incredible. I know. I can't believe it. We're actually talking about money. We've <laughs> had this on the list of topics for um, years now, and which is wild. And we have yet to do an episode where we actually talk about um, finances and financial goals that we might have for ourselves. Do you Have you ever been at a point in your career or in a place where you've talked about money? I know in our friendship, having this podcast together was the first time we ever ever discussed finances, which is wild. I mean, it's wild because we sit together and talk about the most intimate details about every other aspect of our lives. But for whatever reason, finances feel off limits. And I know, Candice, you and I had that conversation where is it because we're women? Is it is it that men are more comfortable talking about money um, because society has made it that way? And so finally, we're sitting down with such a powerful woman and having this conversation. And you know, it is still uncomfortable. I'm finding myself feeling a little uncomfortable having this discussion because 
I'm just not used to it. You know, we're not used to it. How about you? How do you feel about it? Usually I feel guilty or apologetic for any financial goals that I might have. Hmm. And that is something that I know that I need to work on. And I feel guilty or apologetic even bringing up finances with friends, asking like business advice with other friends who are in the same business. Mm -hmm. And that's all just ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. So today we are going to combat that problem. We're going to sit down with Rachel Rogers and she's going to teach all of us how to become a million dollar badass. And we're here with Rachel Rogers. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. We've been really, really excited to have this conversation. Um, I want to jump right in because when I went to your website, uh, Hello7's website, the first thing that I read is what's keeping you from seven figures, which I love. And I needed that kick in the pants this last week. We were just talking about the monotony of... uh, you know, COVID times and, and just feeling the weight of that. But I just want to ask, what generally do you feel is keeping female entrepreneurs from seven figures? Ooh, I love this question so much. So (laughs) I would say the number one thing that is a wealth stealer from women is imposter syndrome. I think it is the number one thing stopping us and holding us back is just our own belief that we're not enough. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We have to check 17 more boxes. We need more letters behind our name. You know, we need more followers and fans. It's like, it's never enough, you know, um, to qualify for a million dollar business. And that causes us to make all kinds of decisions like not pricing high enough, lowering our prices. There's actually a stat that I I found this when I was researching for my book that says that um, women actually discount their prices before clients even ask them to. (laughs) So like as entrepreneurs, you know, we're not even negotiating at all. We're just lowering the price. You know, I'm like, please stop. Let's stop that. So I think that is definitely the number one issue. And of course, it's not all internal, right? It's not all our fault. It's also the society that we live in that is constantly devaluing women and sending messages that women aren't valuable every single day. So we're inundated with those messages in the media. We're inundated with messages that we're not good with money. So of course, we have fear around earning more because then we feel like, oh, we'll have more responsibility. And what do we know? Right? When there's actually studies that show that women are actually better investors than men, you know? So I, I think we just sort of believe the hype that society has sold us. And if we're Black women or women of color, we believe it even more, right? And it affects us even more. So I think that is the number one issue. And it's, it's a mindset thing. And that is what I always, you know, really focus on with my clients is fixing that belief that you are worthy of making a million dollars and you are so capable. It, there are so many guys out there who are just not that smart who are do, who are making even more than that, right? So like, of course we Very can do true. It. So, <laughs> that is so true. And I love how your motto is work hard once uh, so you can pocket the profits forever. When I first read this, I thought, well, well, yeah, I mean, that sounds amazing. But like, is that actually something that's doable? And you're here telling us it is. Yes. Well, I mean, I started out as an intellectual property lawyer, so you know, what I would do is, you know, register trademarks, register copyrights, help people, help small business owners, mostly women owned businesses, recognize the IP that was in the business and protect it and also see it as an asset that you can grow from, you know, and you can grow the revenue from. And so that is what large corporations do. That's how large corporations make their money. They protect IP. They acquire other businesses just to capture the IP, right? So intellectual property is really how wealth is built in this day and age. It used to be oil, right? In in another time. It was like having natural resources. Now it's having intellectual property resources is where wealth is built. And so I teach my clients um, that they need to find ways to make money when they are not working. And that's where the work hard once comes from. The work hard once might be creating the course, um, creating the brand, right? Writing a book, writing, you know, creating an album, you know, creating assets that then can make you money, you know, because Beyonce is not doing a concert for us every night, (laughs) you know, she's going to go into the studio, she's going to lay those tracks, and she's going to sell that music to us till the end of time, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so we need to be doing the same thing as, as women is looking for the opportunity to take our genius and our proprietary knowledge, our specific experience, the brands that we're building and turn them into assets that make us money continuously when we are not working. Because otherwise, right, there's an income ceiling. If you can only make money when you are out there hustling, then you, there's a limit, right? You as a human being can only work so much. Even machines need maintenance, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So I think that's key is learning how to recognize the intellectual property that is available to you, creating it, and then making money from it. I want to highlight just discussing intellectual property for a minute. This is something that I feel in the last couple of years, I've definitely learned the importance of um, owning your own intellectual property, being in charge of it. Uh, For any of our listeners that are asking, what do you mean intellectual property? What does that have to do with starting a business? Just to kind of the most bare bones explanation of what that means and why it is so important to have that for yourself as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, the intellectual property definition that I like that's really simple is just creative works used in commerce. So you've created something and then that's something that is going to make you money. And the example I'll give is from my own practice where I started as an entrepreneur, um, I had my own law practice and I worked with clients every day and was hustling and I never did billable hours, but I had to work to make money. And if I wasn't working, I wasn't making money. And at a certain point, I started to realize there are a lot of entrepreneurs coming to me who can't really afford my services. And I can't, you know, I can't afford to give my services for less, um, nor do I want to. And so I thought about, well, how could I take my expertise and genius as an attorney and turn that into something that they could purchase for less and something that could be sold without me present. And so that's where I created a product called Small Business Bodyguard. And so it was like a 200 word, you know, PDF document that really explained everything that entrepreneurs needed to know in their first year of taking their business seriously and really laying that legal foundation for their business. So it talked them through how to draft contracts, business entities, like all of those things so that they not only had the knowledge of like, here's the how-to step-by-step of how to do it, but here's why this is important. Here's the context that you need to know as a business owner, right? Um, And so it was sort of like that cheat sheet and it would be the next best thing to hiring an attorney. And so I put a price tag on it, created it, and it was a lot of work to create. Um, And then I started selling it. And from the initial launch, we made $80,000, which is the most money I had ever made at one time ever in my life. I was like, what the heck? (laughs) So from there, I started to realize like, oh my God, this is magical. And then there were times where like, I remember a specific time, a few months after our initial launch, it was still selling. Um, You know, it didn't do $80,000 a month, but that was the introduction to the market. But then after that, you know, we would sell several every month. And so one day I was like walking to the park with my kids and I get a notification on my phone, which I call money chimes, which are my favorite. <laughs> hashtag money. And so, you know, get a notification that like somebody has brought my product and I just made, you know, $1,100 while like hanging out with my kids. And I was like, this is amazing, you know? And that's from there, once I figured this out for myself, that's when I really started teaching other women like, intellectual property is where it's at. And this is such a great thing to learn in general, but most, I would say most important right now because we are all at home and a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know, are trying to find new ways to create income. So, you know, how do we navigate investing in ourselves in this current financial climate of 2020, which is now completely different than it has been in the past? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I always tell people recessions create opportunity, right? There is a lot of opportunity being created right now. And it's this is a really interesting one too, right? Because it's not it's not the entire I mean the entire US economy is kind of in flux, but it's a unique time in that every industry is in down. Some industries are up, right? Like technology, those tech companies are making tons of money right now. Um, but there's other industries like travel that be, that are being, you know, obliterated, you know? (laughs) Um, and so it's a unique time and there's always opportunity when there's a recession. It's an opportunity to get creative, 
to take a risk that you wouldn't have taken before. And it kind of, you know, my friend Susan Hyatt says it took a pandemic for me to X, Y, Z, you know? (laughs) So like, maybe you want to launch your own podcast. Maybe you've always wanted to write a book. Maybe you've always wanted to create a course. Maybe you want to just start a side hustle and you're doing your day job during the day, but you want to like start tutoring on the side and see if you can turn it into something or start doing whatever it is, violin lessons on the side, because that's something that interests you. And that's on my mind because we have a violin teacher that does Zoom sessions with our kids. Um, That's an opportunity right now. So I would say look for the opportunities here. And like, what are those things that you always wanted to do? What are those things about your pre-pandemic life that weren't even working for you, Mm. you know, that you want to just reevaluate? This is an opportunity to do that Um, and start creating what you actually want for the future. So, and I don't think it has to require taking lots of risks. I don't think we have to quit our jobs. I always teach my clients, like even when I transitioned my business, I was running a law practice and the breadwinner for my family. And I wanted to start um, business coaching and focusing on that because that was the thing that people kept coming to me for. And I was really drawn to it and excited about it, but I couldn't just close my doors of my law practice and be like, Bye, right? While I go figure out how to grow this business coaching practice. And so I, I like wound down one while I revved up the other. I think we could do the same thing in entrepreneurship, like having a day job, but like, you know, starting to dabble in this new thing and seeing it and trying it and seeing if you can make it happen. So I think there's so much opportunity and we need to not just look at the risks and say like, oh, this is a scary time. We can't take risks. I think it's actually a time that's calling for us to try new things. And experiment and trust ourselves to do that. Now, when you say that you found that a lot of people were coming to you as asking for business coaching advice and you realize, or maybe this is something that I should lean into. um, Have you had, do you feel like those are moments that entrepreneurs should lean into more often and maybe especially potentially as women that we ignore kind of those signs as opposed to basically what I'm asking is, the difference of having this great idea where you say, this is my idea, this is what I've decided I'm going to do, and then also recognizing when maybe life is presenting an opportunity to you. How do you navigate and balance kind of those two different um, starting points in entrepreneurship for your Yeah. Well, I actually think we need to be intentional about finding that thing, right? We are all here for a purpose, right? We all have this desire to do work that matters. So I think we can be intentional about discovering what that work is for us and what our next phase is, right? Because we go in cycles, right? Like we might be super satisfied with our careers for five to seven years, maybe even 10 years. And then we're like, actually, I've mastered that. Now I'm kind of bored. (laughs) Now I want to do something else, right? Or maybe what's the next level of that same thing, right? Because even advising women on owned businesses on IP was just like business coaching for those same kinds of businesses is just another level of that for me. Um, but I think we're all sort of always trying to discover that that purpose in life and feel that career satisfaction. And I think one of the ways we can be intentional about it is, yes, definitely paying attention to our desires. I think as women, we're taught not to. We're taught that our desires are bad. You know, Um, and even you, I mean, it's biblical, right? Like you could go back as far as you want. And there's so many examples of like women being punished for being desired. And so we have this like association. And I think it's important for us to really pay attention to our desires. A lot of times we can't even figure out what we want because we are constantly like saying, be quiet, right? To our own inner voices. So we even have to hone that. And one of the ways, one of my, the, the program director at Hello7 is Natalie Miller. She's an amazing coach. And one of the things that she says is like, wake up every morning and ask yourself, like, what do I want right now? What do I want most right now? And just like fine tune listening to that voice. So I think desire and our own desires and what we're naturally drawn to is part of it. But I think the other part can be like more scientific where we're doing assessments. Like one of the things we do all the time um, with our clients is we have them do the DISC assessment. We have them do strengths finders. There's the Colby, right? There's all these ways that you can sort of test and like really discover more about your personality, your natural talents and strengths, and really looking at that and matching that with a need in the marketplace. Like it's as simple as that, you know, it doesn't have to be super complicated. What is the DISC assessment? What is that? Yes. So um, it's a way to sort of, it, it sort of sorts people into these sort of personality types and you're kind of rated on like zero to a hundred on each category. And it's like, you know, high C is very detail-oriented person. Um, someone who is a high S is a, is a supporter and a help and loves being on a team. Um, 
high D is drive. Um, and the I is for, I want to say it's influence, but it's really about being a people person. So it's kind of like, how do you show up in your role? How do you best like to work? Um, and it's really informative. I have everybody that we're hiring. We, we have them take the disc. We have them take strengths finders. And I make my clients do this too. When they first work with us, they're like, what? I got to take this assessment. I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> we got to know ourselves, right? right? That's how we discover yeah. that work that we really want to do is like knowing ourselves better. And then once we know ourselves really well and can identify what are we amazing at, then we can start to connect that with what are problems that I see? What experience do I have work experience or life experience that like suits me to solve a particular problem in the world? And that's really all it is. I think it's really not that complicated. I mm. think we just have like these existential crises over it. <laughs> it's like really not necessary, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's all inner work, right? Notice that none of that is saying, ask the world what you should do with your life and your time. Yeah. It's all about like, what do you want? What are mm -hmm. you great at? What experience do you have? What are you drawn to? What problems do you feel passionate about solving? That's where the answers are. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I hope so. <laughs> Definitely did. Um, another speaking about knowing ourselves, you have um, 10 behaviors. I want I've been wanting to ask you this question since I first saw this. You have 10 behaviors of million dollar women. Right. Yes. So we don't probably don't have time to get into all 10, but do you have, you know, a few standout behaviors that you can discuss with us? Yes. Oh my gosh. So fun. All right. <laughs> so probably two of my favorite. Well, actually I'll say there are three that are my favorite and we can kind of dive into each one of them. I think the most important things are one, having really strong boundaries. You know, we call them million dollar boundaries. Um, I also think, you know, we say making million dollar decisions, but as, that almost covers everything. Um, but really strong boundaries is essential. Um, building a team, not doing everything yourself. I am obsessed with this. And I like all of my clients know the moment that they work with me, I don't care how much money they're making yet. Like you've got to start outsourcing from day one. Um, so outsourcing and like, refusing to accept this like societal role that they put on us that we have to do everything, especially domestically. And there are studies that show that breadwinning women who make the most money in their household or who make all the money in their household are still doing more domestic labor than their partners. And I'm like, um, no. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, that one is important, building a team. And then lastly, I called it building a squad or a community. I think it's incredibly important for women to be in community with other ambitious women. I think we make the journey so much harder for ourselves when we try to do it by ourselves. We need that squad to support us. We need those business besties, you know, um, where we're not getting on the phone and talking about like why Brad didn't text you back. We're talking about like, oh, I've got a referral for you. And oh, you know what move you should make next? Oh, you know what would be great for your brand? Oh, let me connect you with this you know, resource. That's the conversations that I'm excited about having, right? And those are conversations I'm having every day with my squad. So I think we all need a squad as well. I love, love that. Well, you've definitely got an amazing squad because June of this past year, June 2020, Hello7 brought in a million dollars in revenue. So I just want to take a moment to say congratulations. That's <laughs> so <you>. exciting. <laughs> um, what what have you can you yeah share more about um the group that you've brought together to to create hello seven and and also just for your personal achievement to have especially during a really tough time and not only in our country but in the world to yeah. see that the business that you made is just flourishing and people really not only need it appreciate it, but understand the vision that you started off with. Well, you know what's interesting to me? I think that things like racism, sexism, it actually hurts men too. It hurts white people also, you know, because here's the thing, even just from a financial point of view, you're ignoring a whole huge segment of the market that is here, that has money to spend, that has a problem that they need solving, and you're not solving it for them. And so there's a hole in the market. And that's what I saw. Um, that's why I pitched my book. That's why I created um, our membership, which is called The Club. Um, we Should All Be Millionaires, The Club. 
<clears throat> and then there's We Should All Be Millionaires, the book, which is out next year. Um, but the reason why I created it is because there's a huge number of, first of all, women's entrepreneurship is on the rise and has been for years. Um, women of color are the fastest number of, you know, growing entrepreneurs in our, in our country. They're building, they're growing, they're opening businesses faster than anybody else. And especially black women as well. And yet all the business books are by like older white guys. There's like a sprinkling from affluent white women. And that's all we got, right? Like nobody else's perspective on how to grow a business is there. No one else's journey is represented. And that drives me nuts. And so that's why I created Hello7 specifically to help more women become millionaires through entrepreneurship because only 2% of us actually ever hit seven figures. Um, And that stat I saw many years ago and it drove me nuts. And it's like what drives me in my business is making that number bigger because it hasn't changed in 20 plus years. Wow. So um, I know. Wow. And so all of that is sort of like what we've been building, you know, for the last few years and what we've been working on. Um, And then I think with this pandemic, right, more and more people are looking at entrepreneurship as an option because they're evaluating their lives, right? Um, And because a lot of them have been, you know, put out of work, unfortunately. Um, So there's that. That's a part of it. And then, of course, we have a whole civil rights movement that is happening right now as well with the Black Lives Matter movement and just, you know, a lot of us, even Black women, right? Like realizing like, hey, there's, I actually need to look for Black-owned businesses more. I need to look for opportunities like to coach with Black people or Black women, you know? Um, I think all of us are just having an awakening and obviously there's different levels to the awakening. Some of us need a lot of awakening happening. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) others, maybe not as much. Uh, so all of that kind of played into the time that we're having. But we, so we, we decided to launch this membership because honestly, my business took a hit from the pandemic too. In March, we had our first month that was not profitable um, in literally, I don't know, at, at least five years was probably the last time we had a month where we didn't make a profit, right? So we still made six figures in the business that, that month, but we made like just enough to cover our expenses and no profit. And I was like, oh, hell no. Mm. You know, I have all of these, this team that depends on me, my family. Um, and I knew there was like, I wasn't worried to that extent because we have savings and we've, we've, we've been very smart and strategic in how we've built this business. And so it wasn't like, oh, we're going to go out of business anytime soon. Or I'm going to have to lay off people. But it was like, okay, there's a pivot that needs to happen. You know, I'm sensing a pivot coming on. <laughs> and so, you know, we've had a, high, a high-end mastermind for a really long time. Uh, but it was actually my salesperson that came to me and was like, listen, there are literally thousands of women who love us and who want to work with us, but we our offerings are all pretty expensive. Is there a way that we could serve them? And so we kind of had that in mind of like, how can we bring the high-end coaching, like the executive coaching that we do in a more in a in a way that would serve more people, that would be more affordable? And so we had those constraints in mind and we created the club. And, um, yeah, I mean, we launched it in April. We had 340 people join initially, which was great. We had this great group going. We were so happy. Um, and then, you know, after everything started unfolding with the Black Lives Matter movement, and I had a video that I recorded that wound up going viral, um, all of these people were coming to us and being like, we've just discovered you and we need you to reopen the doors to the club. Like, (laughs) we're banging on the door, open it up and let us in. So we were like, okay, we got to do that. So my team kind of got to work kind of setting things up so that we could handle more people. And then a thousand more people joined in that month. It was crazy. So we were just like watching in awe. And then what happened was we closed the doors again, right? And once we did that, we were, we had made so much money during the month of June that I was like, I think we should go for a million. Like, I think we could hit it, you know? And I'm saying this to my team and they're like, this chick is crazy, you know, <laughs> which they already know because they've been with me for a while. Um, so I'm like, I think we should real because we had closed the doors again, right? We do these launch periods and then we close. And so we had closed the doors. It was literally the 29th of June. And I got on the phone with my best friend, Robert Hartwell, who's also an amazing entrepreneur. And I was like, I feel like I should go for a million. Like, I feel like it's going to bug me if I don't at least try. He was like, of course you should. Now, just so you guys know, when I was having this moment, we were at $650,000 for the month of June. 
So we still had $350,000 to make and like less than 48 hours to make it. And I was like, let's just try, you know, <laughs> see what happens. And so what I did was what I would recommend any entrepreneur does like when they want to grow their business is I reached out to my whole list, everybody that I knew. And I was basically like, listen, we're really close to hitting a million and this matters. And it matters because like we need to send a message to the world that black women can build businesses that can make a million dollars in a month, right? That like investors need to start, in, you know, investing in and betting on black women. Banks need to start extending loans to black women, right? Like we need to start a, a supporting black women owned businesses. And so I was like, representation matters. And I want to reach this goal. I didn't even care about the money. Like we, we make a lot of money in this business and we already had a super successful month. But like to me, hitting that milestone, it just felt like, especially during the month of June with everything going on, right. it just felt like a really, like a, a really exciting, positive spite. Like I wanted to do this for my people, mm -hmm. right? Like that's what, that was the, what was driving me. And so I sent an email out to my whole list. I put it on social media. I put it everywhere that I like know anyone. And was like, listen, we're trying to go for a million. Here's what I need you to do. We're reopening the doors to the club. Either join, if you can join for a year so you can pay for the year up front, do that because that'll get us closer faster. Um, and then we said the other option is just help spread the message. And I mean, it was bananas. The amount of people that had, that showed up and supported us. Lovey Ajayi shared it. And Tiffany, the budget nista, <laughs> Alice, she shared it. It's like all of these people were being touched and just so moved that we were like, hey, we're putting ourselves out there and we're trying it and we're going for it. We need your help. I mean, it was insane. So like people were there for like, they were counting down <laughs> uh, and we did it. We made $350,000 in a day and we hit a little over seven figures. And this just reinforces what you said in the very beginning of this is that, you know, don't put a ceiling on yourself. Like go yes. for it, you know, just go exactly. for it and see what happens. <laughs> And you did, Absolutely. you did that. That's exactly what you did. And look what you did. That's, that's incredible. I, I'm just, yeah. I love what you're pointing out because that's exactly why I needed that conversation with my bestie, right? Like that's why we need that squad because, you know, I, I had that moment of imposter syndrome. Like I'm bugging. We can't make 350K in a day. And also like people are going to hate me for even talking about this, you know, like, like who do I think I am for trying to make this happen? And my friend Robert was like, you are Rachel Rogers mm -hmm. and you got to go make a million dollars. Now go do it. Right. <laughs> like he would not take no for an answer. And he also, he's also an entrepreneur. He understands business. So he's like, I think this is doable from a really, and, 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 and he's an expert in this, right? I'm not just talking to somebody who's just like rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, but also like, listen, I think you can do this. I've seen what else you've done. I'm looking at your business. I'm looking at your marketing. I'm looking at your following. I think you can make this happen, you know? And so, I mean, that was crucial. If I hadn't, I was really going to not do it. I had written the email Monday morning and never sent it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I told him about it Monday night. I mean, this was like 11 o'clock at night. And then I messaged my developer, who's a black woman. And I was like, she's always up late. Let me just message her and see. She was up and she was like, of course I'm up. I don't go to bed at 2 a.m. <laughs> um, so shout out to her. Her name is Nicole Evans. She's amazing. But anyway, she, um, she was like, I was like, can you make the sales page available? Like, can you just do it right now? And she was like, done. You know, and she just happened to be awake. I was like, because I still wouldn't have been able to do it if she hadn't right. been up because I don't know how to do any of that developer stuff. So it was just kind of like having that squad to, yeah. to say, yes, go for it. And I wouldn't have done it otherwise. So, and then I'm like, oh my God, imagine if I wouldn't have done it. So just imagine that, right? Like all these yeah. clients that I talk to, all of the women listening now, they probably have people around them who realize how amazing they are and how amazing what they could create is. And they don't realize it. And so they're not doing it. And we're just looking at them like, oh my God, there's so much money on the table. There's so much magic you could create in the world. And you're just sitting here not doing it because you think, I don't know, you need to lose five pounds. Stop it right now. <laughs> you know? So true. It's so true. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back why do you think it's so hard for women to talk about money like i love because it not only were you calling to say like hey do you think i can do this but it was specifically dealing with finances i know that that's what you also talk about every day with your job so i know that it's probably more comfortable but i've definitely found myself in scenarios with other women trying to talk about finances and it's just this bizarre dance that we start doing of like well you know i don't want to say like i don't want to we don't need to talk numbers or anything. It's just all generalized Mm. when we all just need to kind of bring those walls down and talk about the business. But how do we get to that point? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was scared to even tell because he was like, when I told him I wanted to go for a million, he was like, where are you at right now? And I was like, 
I wanted to lie and be mm. like, well, I'm at 800,000. Like I wanted to make it seem like I was closer because I'm like, he's going to think I'm nuts, right? Which of course he already knows because he's my best friend. <laughs> um, so I still get uncomfortable talking about numbers. It depends on what those numbers are representing, right? Um, but in, to answer your question, there are lots of reasons. I think part of it is media messages, right? That tell us, don't buy the latte. Oh, rain in your spending. Stop buying those shoes, you know? And it's just like, I want to smack whoever is creating this content because <laughs> this is the messages that we're like literally inundated with. And part of the reason, why, right, is because most of these books are being written by older white men where like, yeah, maybe 50 years ago, that was the story or, or at least you thought it was. Um, but clearly we have enough knowledge and the internet. So we are now aware that that is not the case. And yet we're still, you know, using this trite, boring, terrible advice that reinforces to women that we're bad with money. And so of course we don't want to talk about our money because we think, oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm making nothing but terrible decisions. And we think everybody has more than us. No one has as much debt as us, right? Like, and it's like, no, actually all of us are in the same boat. <laughs> It's really not that different. Uh, and that's why I think it's important to normalize it, talk about it, share numbers. That's why I share yeah. numbers. I mean, I don't say what, what I pay myself. I don't announce my personal salary all over the internet, but I definitely always share what my business is making because I think that that's really important for other people to see and have an example. And I've shared that, you know, the year that I went. So like, just so you know, June was when like I took a hit and, and won, right? Like we did it. But um, I've tried it in the past. Like when that first year I wanted to hit seven figures, I went for it and we failed. And I talked about that too. And I shared that too, because I think it's important so that people see like, oh, it's just really betting on yourself and trying. And when it doesn't work out, you just keep trying until it does. You know, yeah, it's really that simple. So, but I also think it's policy things. I think it's laws. Like the laws in this country were that women couldn't even have a credit card in their name without a male cosigner until like the late 70s. Women didn't have bank accounts until the 60s. You know, there, there were all kinds of laws in place that prevented women from inheriting property. Their husbands would inherit it for many years. So like these laws changed not that long ago. So that's why women still think they're bad with money, you know, is because that's the messages society has been sending. We also have less experience with it because everything that, like all of our labor, all of our inheritances were transferred to men. You know, so yeah. we didn't have the opportunity to make investments or, or make moves with money largely. And our government was telling us we're not we're not good enough to manage money when now the stats show that actually women are better at it. So <laughs> now we know why you tried to keep it from us. You know, yeah. it's so true. And not just women, but, you know, it, let's talk about diversity in the workplace, because you wrote this article and it talks about how business owners think that their companies are mostly white because that's just who buys their stuff and that's who applies for the jobs and all of that stuff. And that's so not true. It didn't happen by accident and it's not happenstance. It's by design. And I love how you put into words that, yes, it is the business owner's fault, but the good news is that it is their fault. So they can change it. So let's talk about that. How do they change it? Yes. Well, yeah, I love that. And I mean, this is why we all rage when people are like, well, you know, I tried to hire someone diverse, but it just, you know, wasn't possible. I tried to, you know, have diverse speakers, but there's just like no black women who do this. And I'm like, I know 12, like just off the top of my head in the last five seconds of this conversation. Right. So that can't possibly be the case. It's just, you're not looking for them. You know, you, you don't know them. You know why you don't know them? Because you don't have any black friends. You don't have any people of color friends. You don't have enough friends who are women. That's why you don't know them, right? Like that's one of the pieces of advice that I give is like actually have a diversity of friendships in your real life. And that actually starts to extend to your business life as well. You know, so that, that is just one of the things of the many things that can be done. But of course, it's prioritizing it. It's announcing it and like making it clear so that people, the world can hold you accountable. Because first of all, we're definitely all holding you accountable now. And we were, these were the conversation that's happening publicly. It's been happening for like 
all of us black people have been having this conversation. <laughs> we just didn't have it in front of white people, you know? Uh, but now it's very public, which I'm, I'm grateful for. And so we can all get on the same page. So I think that's one of the things is, you know, creating a diversity in your personal life. It's making a statement, making it clear to your community, to your clients, taking a stand. Because, right, if you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. Right. And if you're not in this fight, then, you know, there's a lot of people who don't want to do business with you anymore. And that's cool, right? Right. Work with the, you know, the people that you want to, that who believe in you. But now we all want to be making decisions with our dollars that really connects with our values. And I think that's what's happening. So express what those values are, state that publicly for people, and then also educate yourself, right? Like, it was beautiful to see all of these books about racism written by Black people hitting the New York Times bestseller list. I hope people are actually opening those books and reading them. I hope they take the courses that are out there um, and do training. And if you have a business, hire a DEI consultant to come in and help you figure out where do you need to step it up in your business. Um, the other thing is actually like earmark some dollars for, for Black-owned businesses. Um, you know, hire contractors that are black, you know, use software companies that are black owned. They exist, right? We just have to put in a little bit more work because unfortunately, these companies are often not as visible. And why is that? Because they don't get investment, right? VCs are not investing in black owned businesses, not black men, not black women, mm. you know, and especially not black women. Uh, banks are not investing in uh especially women-owned businesses, but definitely not Black-owned businesses. Black women even have a hard time getting a mortgage when you have a perfect credit score. And I've had this experience, like personally, running a seven-figure business and having a great credit score and still like have, being put through the ringer to get a mortgage is, is ridiculous, right? So those are some of the things we can do is earmark, you know, significant amount of dollars to say like, this money is for Black contractors, um, black suppliers, right? Like if I'm doing an event and I need to hire an event planner, let me find a black event planner, right? Like putting some effort into earmarking some of our dollars uh, towards the black community. Those are some of the things that, that people can do to start cr to create more diversity and inclusion. And then when you do that, right? Now you've got a contractor on your team who's black or you've hired an employee who's black. Now that person has a seat at the table when you're making some of the decisions that you're making, and, you know, if you actually give them voice and power within your organization, then maybe it's less likely that, you know, terrible things will go out the door with your name on it, right? That will wind up on your Instagram that you'll then have to apologize for, you know? Right. And those are so many things that we can't, that's on the do list. There's also a don't list of things you shouldn't do. And you talk about, um, it's called vanity diversity, right? Where it's just like Ugh. labels on the website and then you don't follow through with anything or something. Exactly. Similar. Yes, there was a, there was a company that hosted retreats for women entrepreneurs and literally I kid you not every single photo was white blonde women. Right? Like there was no even brunettes. Like that was how little <laughs> diversity there was. It was like you got to be blonde to be in this club clearly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so funny. But then they had a diversity statement on their website and I and they were like, "Well, we're just not getting candidates. Like people are not, you know, applying for our retreat." who are not white. And I was like, well, I wonder why that is. Right. right. And the thing is, is what you've shown us is that your business is for white people. So why would we apply? Right. Like, why would people apply for the jobs you have to work with you? If you're, if the message your photos are sending and all of your content is sending is that it's for white people. So send a different message and also go out there and pull people in, right? Like, Go out there, go to an event, go to a business. There are a lot of business conferences that are black business conferences where there are thousands of black entrepreneurs or black business owners or, or black women in tech or whatever it is, right, that you're looking for where you can go and connect with those people. But we only go to the conferences that are majority white, that have a little bit of diversity. They've got one black man on stage. It's probably Damon John. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> always the same thing. We're like, we see right through you. You got to do better than that. Tokenism is not impressive at all. Um, and in fact, it's worse because it's like you're trying to check a box and you don't actually care. You know, and also too, to me, my message is if you're running a business and you can't be bothered to figure out how to better serve your black clients, how to put black people on your stages, how to get black people on your podcast, if you, if you can't be bothered to do that, then great. Don't take our money, right? Like stop, stop saying you serve black people in your business because you don't.
is the truth of the matter. Have you had a lot of um, women in your business coaching and in the club that you have approach you with a whole new onslaught of questions that maybe they wouldn't have asked before? Do you feel like the communication about um, personal entrepreneurial experiences has just opened up completely now in a whole new way? Yeah, I think it has. Um, We've definitely had those conversations inside the club. And in fact, we brought it up. Like we didn't wait for them to be for a situation to arise where it was a problem, right? We made it very clear. Um, And one of the things that we made clear is like, this may be different than any other coaching community because we don't center whiteness, right? We're not saying whiteness is a standard by which everybody else will be measured, right? Like we're not centering the experience of white women only. We have lots of white women in the club, beloved white women, right? Like we love them. Uh, There are white women on my team. My mom is a white woman, you know? So I don't have any um, ill will towards them, but I also let them know like this, we're not going to center your experience like we do everywhere else. That's not happening here. So you might be challenged by that. It's going to show up in different ways, you know? Um, The other thing we said too is like, this is, you know, the club is not here for to like to educate you on racism now, right? Like to help you undo, right? Your biases. You're going to have to do that on your own time, you know? And like, here are our standards. Here's how we roll in this community. We have a black woman community manager who's amazing. Um, And I, you know, my whole team, like I talk about diversity all the time and it's something that is a priority to me. I'm definitely not a DEI expert. I haven't studied it per se, but I just talk about it from my lived experience and from my experience as a business owner, building a diverse and inclusive and equitable organization. And even I have a DEI consultant, right? Like even I know that there's, there's ways that we could do better in our business. So like put the effort in and educate yourself and don't put it on me. Just because I'm a black woman, don't think that I'm now the resource for you to like pick my brain all day about like how to not be racist. There's lots of books about it. <laughs> There's training about it. There's experts in the club that talk about it, you know, so that you can, those are all resources to you. And we do have open conversations. So we do allow conversation about race. Like what happened in a lot of Facebook communities and like, you know, different business communities was like, oh, we don't talk about that here. We're only talking about business. We're not talking about race. And I'm like, oh, really? Because I'm black. So race is a part of everything I do, including my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. how are we not talking about it? Why isn't it allowed? You know, it right. should be allowed. And so we absolutely are having those conversations. And we have very frank and sometimes uncomfortable conversations, but we have the expertise on our team to manage those conversations. And that's really important as well. I'm just loving the whole team vibe, making sure you just yes. surround yourself with the right people so that you are prepared to handle everything. Everything. Yeah. We have to educate ourselves, but it's also okay to recognize like we don't know everything. Right. And, and we'll screw things up, you know? And you talk about calling people out right now is the time to call people out. But you also talk about calling people in, which I love. Yes. And I think that that is such a wonderful mindset to have. Can you explain? Yes. Um, well, I mean, that's why I did the town hall, right? Because my video went viral and everybody knew me for like calling out Marie Forleo. And I'm like, well, you know, and a, and a variety of other entrepreneurs as well. Um, and I was like, well, I'm not here to just yell about what people are doing on the internet. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I wanted to actually, now that we're all awake and we're all much more aware, now let's turn that into actual action and not just be talking about it or have this be a moment in time. Because what for me, what was unacceptable is to go back to business as usual. Mm-hmm. Business as usual is very harmful to Black people. And it's actually harmful to all of us. Um, and I don't ever want to go back to business as usual. So let's talk about what, what are we going to do different, right? What have we learned and how are we going to apply that learning and not just have it be something that we talk about? Um, and, I, you know, if it's so interesting for all of the people that I called out. I was always open to a personal conversation. Um, and Marie Forleo actually emailed me. I had personal conversations with another entrepreneur who I called out with his wife reached out to me and I had conversations with her, you know, and I'm like, listen, I, and even if you watch the video or if you listen to me calling out anybody, I'm always speaking to the action. I'm not saying this is a bad person. I'm not saying let's hate this person because they're white. I'm not saying let's hate this person because they didn't do this one thing right. 
Um, I'm saying this is unacceptable, what we're seeing, and we need them to do better. And I'm calling it out. And I'm not going to be nice about it all the time because, first of all, I don't feel nice right now. I feel angry. So you're going to feel my rage and I'm allowed to be mad, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not always going to be polite. And honestly, when it's polite, it doesn't get addressed. Mm-hmm. When it's unpolite yes. and jarring, now suddenly you want to talk about it and you want to actually are willing to have this conversation. So that's an important part. But it's never to say this person is canceled. Screw this person. Right. Let them go like wither and die. You know, I've, I've been um, trolled online. I've had people try to harm my reputation online early in my career. I know what it feels like to be on the other side of that. Um, so I'm never the type of person that is attacking someone personally or saying they're a bad person. They're a terrible human. It's never that. It's always about, look, this particular thing that you're doing, you could do a lot better. This is unacceptable. And you know what? Marie emailed me and she was like, you're right. I could do better. And here's what I'm going to do. You know, and that's the whole point because then we have more powerful allies fighting this fight. We need everyone to fight this fight. We need everybody on our side. Everybody needs to be in this anti-racist army Mm -hmm. so that like it swells to a point of critical mass. And that's where we're going to see society actually change. We'll see laws change, not just statues coming down and not just Black Lives Matter written in the street, but like write it in the laws. Make sure that my people have health care, right? Like make sure that we are, you know, taken care of in a way that, that everybody else in our society gets to be taken care of. That's what I'm looking for. Um, I'm not just looking for these like sort of pat answers. So I think you have to call out because you have to wake people up and then you call them in. That is the whole point. I love that. I also want to talk about your um, closest team. You're a mom of four. (laughs) Um, (laughs) for children um, and you're also accomplishing all these incredible goals not just your own but inspiring others to do um, as well how do you balance all of that and I know that's like the question that everyone especially women constantly ask other women like how do you balance family and work family and work yeah Um, but how do you? I know that you've said that you make sure that you've got a team to help you um, at home as well. Um, but how do you show up for your business, show up for your family, and show up for yourself? Well, I mean, trust me, it's a constant dance and it's always in flux. Like, depending on the season, it's in flux, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, like in the summer times are different than the fall, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's like you're constantly like recalibrating. Um, what's working like, Oh, what worked for the last three months? That's not working anymore. Let's try this thing now. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I do, first of all, I reject the entire idea that like nothing can happen for my children unless I do it. So I don't have to plan every birthday party. I don't have to cook every meal. I don't have to do the laundry. Like that to me is not parent. Like parenting is, you know, directing my child's life, having those important conversations, having quality time every day making decisions about their health and their education. You know, that is parenting. Parenting doesn't have to include doing laundry and cleaning and doing the dishes. To me, that's like not the most important part of it. And so we like outsource a lot of that stuff. So like a laundry service, like that's how we started. I just dropped off laundry at the laundry service or actually better yet, my husband did (laughs) drop it off. Um, And, you know, and then like we didn't have to sit there and spend the whole day doing laundry. I haven't done laundry in like a decade. I don't, I barely know how to do laundry. And I'm very proud of that fact. I wish more women had no idea their way around like a washer and a dryer, you know, like let us like, like seriously we are we're not the only ones that can do that kind of thing um we don't always have to lead and be in control with everything that is domestic and so like i allow that to happen and so i let go that part of it though is letting go of control right right? like i don't have to control exactly what's happening all the time we have a chef um which was like the biggest life-changing thing ever in our lives uh she's amazing and we have, you know, professional cleaners and, you know, we have some, some help. And that's really crucial because there's more work to be done than, than two humans can do between my husband and I. Um, and two humans want to do, let's be very clear. I don't want to do all of those things. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, so that's part of it. And part of it is like really being clear with my kids because my kids are like, well, you know, I wish you were one of those moms who were just like available all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I could be. But then like, you want to give up your private school? Do you want to give up this house? Do you want to live somewhere else? Like 
all of that translates into a different set of decisions, right? Like remember how we have that trip plan to Hawaii that never happened because of this pandemic, but this was a chip that I used for a while while it was <laughs> yeah. coming. Like, remember that trip to Hawaii that we have? Like part of why that is, is because I work and, you know, and also I don't just work for money. I work because it's important to me. I work because I want to make a better world for you when you get older. Um, and so I say like your contribution to this family is allowing me to work and entertaining yourself right now after school. Um, or allowing me to work and going and helping your brother with whatever or cleaning your room or whatever. We all have to contribute to the well-being of this family. It's not that mommy and daddy do everything and you guys sit back and chill, right? <laughs> like while we're hustling mm -hmm. all the time to keep you happy. No, you have to contribute as well. And I want them to know because I want them to be contributing citizens as they get older. You know, I want them to contribute to our household and our well-being. I don't want to have a relationship of like I give constantly to my children and they take which I think we can create those relationships with our children, you know? So I want there to be more balance and I kind of treat them not like an adult, but I, I expect that they can handle these conversations. Um, and so I'm willing to have them. Obviously, I'm not having this conversation with my toddler who's two because he's like, what? And he'll just go, right. <laughs> so like that wouldn't work. But, you know, by like five years old, we're talking about this stuff, right? And they're learning like... I'm not here just to like serve every single need you have and have no other purpose on life. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I have other purposes. <laughs> so, and I think it's so important too for our kids to learn like whether they're girls or boys, right? For boys, you want them to learn like women are not here just for your satisfaction, you know? And for girls, you want them to know like you will be a woman and you don't have to please all the people. You don't have to do all the things for all the people all the time. I want to model that for them. And you clearly do. I mean, not only <laughs> well, true, you. not only for them, but for uh, Candace and I, for anyone listening to this podcast, for anyone who's seen any of your town halls, who anyone who follows you on social media, you are truly a force. I uh, have was so excited to have this conversation with you, and I'm so excited to see where you are in the next month because a lot can happen in a month <laughs> for for Clearly, you specifically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, this it's has just, been amazing. It's been the best. And I'm just so <laughs> excited to see where you go, Rachel, and to buy your book that's coming out soon and just to see um, what you do for us in our world. Thank you. Thank you, guys. For our listeners, where can they follow you on social media? Where can they contact you? Um, obviously, they can join the club at Hello7's website. Um, so on social media, I'm Rach Rogers ESQ. Rogers with a D. So follow me there and see cute pictures of my kids and talking about race and business and all of the things. Um, and you can go to hello7.co slash podcast and check out the Hello 7 podcast. We do a podcast every week as well. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been a true pleasure. So a million dollars is a lot of money and you could do a lot of different things with it. And, you know, if you're someone like Rachel, you make it in a month and it's not that big of a deal. I would say that's <laughs> not my norm. <laughs> so, um, Candace, if you have made a million dollars in a month, what would you do with it? I mean... It, there's two different versions of that, of course. <laughs> there's like, you know, the lottery dream where, you know, you just buy yourself a fancy toy and enjoy it. And But um, I think if you would have asked me in my 20s, I would have said, you know, travel the world and just buy all the things I've ever dreamed of, buy a Birkin bag, you know, like something ridiculous. Um, but now, um, you know, it's really about how, especially what Rachel was discussing kind of intermittently throughout this episode is how do you make your money work for you? How do you grow your money? How do you continue to invest in yourself? So, that is probably where I'd be starting from. I'd probably, especially now after talking to Rachel, call up some of my other female entrepreneurs and ask them, hey, what do you think? Like, mm -hmm. what what kind of, you know, what direction should I go and, and build that community? What about you, Kay? What would you do with a million dollars? Right. So my initial answer was, oh, buy an investment property that is a good investment, but also fun. So it could be used as a vacation home, something like that. That's my initial response. But then after talking to Rachel, I am thinking, no, 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 no. I need to 
invest in some IP, buy rights to things that I want to make myself and all of that kind of stuff. So I think I'm going to switch my answer to investing in myself and figuring out what intellectual property I want to contribute to because I'm so inspired after our conversation with her and I, she's really changed my mindset on, um, a lot of things. So that's my answer. Yeah. I was so shocked to hear that the most common right off the bat, you know, when we first started speaking with her, that the number one thing she feels holding most women back is the idea of imposter syndrome. And the the idea that we need all these accolades, we need to be so perfect and well educated within a subject before we even try to accomplish the goal that we've set before ourselves, which is crazy. And we've talked about, you know, it a lot on this podcast. We've had a lot of guests on who have said, you know, you kind of have to figure it out as you go. You got to build the plane as you fly it. You got to take that risk. And so to have that continuously be presented to us is like, no, this is, that is what you have to do. You can't listen to those little voices and you can't listen to what society is, you know, ingrained into you. You have to bet on yourself and follow that. Um, It just, it's so wonderful to have an an episode um, where you hear that once again and because you realize how necessary it is to hear that over and over and over. Or at least least it is for me. I I realize how necessary it is for me. I am with you on that and to be inspired, especially in these times. So we hope you guys took as much from this as we did and you feel inspired to go out there and make your seven figures happen. We have another great episode happening for you next week. Uh, We will see you then. Thanks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.